Welcome to Indy's Real Estate Gurus. I'm Rick Ritma, your hardworking mortgage guy, and I've been in real estate and mortgages for over 34 years. I've helped over 5,200 folks finance their homes. My team and I believe in custom-tailored loans, not the one-size-fits-all approach. We believe there is a right mortgage for you, and we believe we are the team to deliver it. And I'm Ian Arnold, part of Rick's hardworking mortgage team. I'm in the financial industry for 15 years, help customers rebuild their credit uh, to get the best possible interest rate, and I have a passion in helping you secure your overall real estate dreams. And if you have any questions on Indy's real estate market or the mortgage market, please go to hardworkingmortgageguys.com. That's hardworkingmortgageguys.com. Or you can call 317-672-1938. That's 317-672-1938. And today, Ian. Yes, yeah, so I'm here. We have a great <laughs> guest. Drove all the way up from the south side of Indianapolis. That, that is a Lights little bit Town, of a drive. Franklin. It's a long drive. Yeah, especially on 465. Where you got to go 70 to be on the speed limit. That makes it quicker. <laughs> the dirty sound. <laughs> the dirty. <laughs> Thanks for joining us so thank much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. The positive. Who am I? Let's say his name. Oh. I thought Goodness, we did. no. Hey, no. Well, how'd you forget that? I didn't forget. You skipped over me. Well, go ahead. Goodness. <laughs> All right. But it's Josh uh, Latham uh, right. from Remax, right? That's right. Awesome. Remax Advanced. And and from the uh, and you, you had, spent some time in Carmel. But I now did. you're down in, in beautiful Green, 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 well, actually Franklin, right? Greenwood, Franklin Township area. Yeah. I was in Carmel for oh, about four or five years. They kicked me out. So found a place down on the south side where, you know, people talk my language and that's good. looked a little bit more like me. Yeah. <laughs> Thin and, you know, no. full of hair. See, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, you could tell I was from Carmel because I have no hair. <laughs> is that what it is? Well... <laughs> Gray, gray or bald? I'll I'll take gray. So, I'll take either. Yeah. I don't. Know, what are you gonna do? You're walking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I have no choice. So, what did you um, before real estate? What yeah. What was your life like? What did you do? Where'd you grow up? Yeah. Those type of things. Um, so I grew up in Shaker Heights, Ohio, which is a uh, eastern suburb of Cleveland, much like Carmel. Um, I'd say great schools, whatnot. Um, I eventually ended up down in the, the Evansville, Indiana. Henderson, Kentucky area. So I actually finished out my high school career down in Henderson. Um, but that kind of led me up to Indianapolis uh, through some work projects. But at the age of 12 and 13, I started to work for my uncle. There's a backstory to this. Um, and he owned a construction company. Um, so during the summers um, and during you know high school and college, I would work for him doing kitchen remodels, home additions, horrific jobs like digging footers and I mean it was just it was such terrible work um, but I kind of carried that throughout my career and I became a, a commercial insurance broker lived in Chicago for a little while worked downtown and you know I had a suit and then I realized I was one of seven million people doing the same thing and I was like this is terrible <laughs> terrible terrible um, so I moved back down to uh, Indianapolis area and had a short stint um, outside of uh, insurance with uh, mortgages. So I was an LO for about two and a half years. Oh. Um, and then started to help some of my client's agents uh, build out inspection responses because I knew about houses and how to build them. And I'm like, you know, I'd sit across the table from somebody and they're thumbing their way through, how would I do this and how would I do that? And I just kind of hit me and just man, if this person can do this, surely to God, I can do this. <laughs> uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't cut it as an LO. Uh, the great thing about being an LO is you really got to cut your teeth on the finances part of it. 
Um, so I had the contract law from insurance, which is great, really helped right. me through contract negotiations and understanding, you know, uh, the verbiage and whatnot. Um, and then having been an LO, and I'm kind of a math guy too, um, I really got a, a strong foothold of what it takes to, you know, finance a house and some of the pitfalls and what to look for. And um, it's just snowballed. Um, and that's where I am today. So did you start with Remax? And if so, how did you even get there? Yeah. So I actually started out with uh, Keller Williams because when I was an LO, um, most of my clientele were out of an office on the west side of town. Um, so I started out with their program, did that for about a year, um, and then uh, moved to Carmel and ran into a really nice agent uh, over there. And um, I joined his team with Berkshire Hathaway. And I was with Berkshire for a couple of years, and then the Remax Advance came knocking on my door, and uh, they told me something about leads. I was like, "What's a lead? You guys, <laughs> you guys get leads in real estate? Where do I sign up?" And they're like, "We have all the leads you can get." And I'm, "No way!" Um, so I've been there just over well six years um, with Remax Advanced, and I love it. I love it. So I'm oh, sorry. So. What do you think separates Remax from the other places? Um, Remax, the brand in particular, um, I think is just global. Um, it's it's so big. Um, it's funny. I have a sister that lives in Austria, and she'll send me pictures every once in a while of a Remax banner that she sees over there. <laughs> uh, my parents travel the country; they're retired, travel the world; they're retired, and they'll send me pictures of Remax stuff everywhere. And you know. Uh, Going out of the country myself, I'll see it, and it's just so recognizable. And then sitting down with people and listing presentations, it's inevitable. Probably every two out of ten people I talk to, you know, my grandparents bought a house through a Remax agent, and and so it's so widely known. Um, it's easy to remember. Uh, people always ask me, "What does Remax mean?" Um, the balloon. Um, so I have a lot of clout going in right away. As far as Remax Advance, because there are different Remaxes, obviously, um, it's leadership for me. I wouldn't be where I am today without our leader, our broker owner, um, and that's why I'm there. How important would you say that is? We think it's really important to have mentors and have yeah. a, a, a tremendous leader. So if somebody's out there looking, maybe they're in an office, they aren't, don't feel like they're getting the leadership, or maybe they're new. Is it, is it a, you know, how important is it to them and why, why your office, if you were interested in growing? Yeah, and that's a good question. Actually, I just met today with our, uh, our head of recruiting. Um, I do some quasi second tier recruiting along with her. She kind of finds the, uh, the, the individuals and then I help kind of question them throughout the process. And I'm one of our, our mentors as well. Um, I didn't have that when I started with Keller Williams, and I think that's why my career really didn't get off to a good start. Um, nothing against Keller Williams. I just I think it's really kind of office independent, uh, much like there's different Remaxes. They all have different setups of from ground level up. Um, and ours is, ours is, I think, pretty robust, um, not only with the technology that's offered from our broker owner, but couple that with a Remax. We have mentorship programs that sees you through the first five deals, um, one of which has to be a listing. The other four can be buy side. Um, and we kind of have a, a, a footprint, a, a map of what's set out for each individual uh, to follow. And we we don't just take a brand new agents either. We, we take seasoned agents that just want to kind of – and that's what I was. I had been in the business for, 
I don't know, two, two and a half years. I couldn't say I was season season, but I'd been in the business long enough. Um, but getting on board of the programs that we have in place has really just propelled me. And one of the reasons was a mentor. Yeah, I think that helps immensely. And also to have that process. Yeah. Nobody, I shouldn't say nobody wants to. Some people do want to reinvent the wheel, but I don't never, I don't find yeah. that the best way. I find the best way is to find the wheel that's already made. After you figure that out and you use it and it's working, then you can kind of change it a little bit to your own self. Mold that clay yourself. Um, yeah. When I was an LO, um, it was a friend of mine who worked for a, a brokerage. And he literally said, the first two months of your life, are you going to be sitting on the uh, the lounge couch in my office just listening to me? And I, I remember at the time going, this is ridiculous. I mean, I've been in sales since 19. You know, you couldn't teach me anything about sales. And it wasn't about that. It was about the processes and the product. And I'll tell you what, it was invaluable to me to, to sit there and just listen to that guy. So one of the things that I strive for when I'm mentoring is, you're going to be live on my hip. Let's go. You're going to go through my day and, and follow me through, you know, the whole process. Um, it's been great for me and hopefully for our agents. So, well, how do you mentor somebody? So if you, if you had a new person that was starting and you were mentoring yeah. them, what would you, what are the, some of the things you, you have them do, or, you know, how do you guide them? Yeah. So it's kind of tricky in that it's really going to be based on their experience level. Um, I'll take, I'll, I'll take an example. Right now, I'm mentoring a younger uh, guy just out of college, uh, never been in sales. Um, he was actually like an assistant coach um, in, in basketball. Um, and we have, we almost have like a 10-step program that they have to go through weekly. Um, he reports back to me. Um, I meet him at least once, if not twice a week. We go through our lead, our lead system, um, our CRM. Um, so we have some pretty finite steps that we try to follow. Um, but in today's day and age, it's kind of hard because a lot of agents don't have the affordability to jump into this this career just like, I'm ready to go. Right. Um, so some of them are kind of weaning themselves off of part-time jobs, um, maybe having to work at home still some with kids or whatever. Um, so we kind of tailor our programs to fit. Um, and let's take this agent, for example. He's kind of on a, a normally projected course. And then you, of course, have some that fall away, but we have others that are just... My my claim to fame in my office is I mentored our, I think is our number one or number two seller now out of about 100 agents. Wow. And he's never been in sales. Um, he came from uh, a, a large distrib- distribution company um, as a manager, um, but he said, I want to do this. As I've always thought about it. This is what I want to do. And I think in his first year, he sold almost 70 homes. Which wow, that's incredible. In our business, is just it's unheard of. Yeah. I mean, I've never even scratched 70 homes. Um, it's just me, but it's just him, too. Um, he doesn't have five kids, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, if you so, get them out selling for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My taxes think they do. <laughs> so, whoa, whoa, whoa. He ha- he has the motive to go out and do seventy. You have five kids. You should have the motive. I should have the motive. <laughs> I, I have the means, uh, just to, you know, with them to help me out. But yeah, it's funny because I think that goes back to how much time can you devote? And how much time do you are you willing to devote? And I think for me at my age, I'm almost fifty. Um, I've gotten to a, a comfortable balance of hey, I want to do about forty to forty eight transactions a year because um, my wife and I we also flip homes on the side. Um, so we do that, and we travel a lot too. Um, kids play sports, and you just kind of wean yourself off of, hey, I have to have 15 active transactions 
going at all time. Um, I think 10 or 11 is about that max where you're like, holy crap, I need like assistance. And But that's one of the things that Remax Advanced does for me. They, they afford me a full-time marketing team. I have a transaction coordinator. Like they pick up the little pieces that me as a salesman typically wouldn't be good at. Um, and that's kind of what we tout too when I, when I talk recruiting is we do the behind the scenes, the behind the scenes stuff that a typical person doesn't really excel at. Yeah. So, so if you guys ever go out to dinner, you make him pay since you trained him so well. Are you make kidding him, me? I'm telling you. Uh, it, <laughs> it's funny because now it, it's funny because now he has no time for me. <laughs> I had someone the other day. Have you seen him lately? Like, no. Yeah, like a long lost son. I'm like. Oh, the prodigal son will come home one day, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, he's doing real well for himself. He's just he's really blowing up, um, and we love to see people like that. Um, we're very very team oriented, um, and I think that's one of the things that I really I really like about our team. Um, having been at two other brokerages, I'm not going to say they're divided. They're certainly not divisive, um, but you know. It's a natural habitat and, and tendency for realtors to kind of be like, oh, that guy's looking at my business and that guy, you know, these, this is my neighborhood. Um, not have that in our business in within REMAX. Um, and that's one of the things that we strive for when we recruit people is, you know, my broker owner plays sports. He coaches sports now with his kids. Um, I kind of do the same thing. Um, a lot of our, our, our agents were of some kind of team capacity um, you know, whether at work or previous lights and, you know, high school sports. But it's rarely, if ever, I've ever come across somebody that just didn't have the time to help because they always just want to go full in, let's go, anything we can do as a team. Yep. I mean, that's the nice thing about having so many companies that you can work for. Each personality is going to be different. What mm-hmm. you need is based off of you. Now, somebody else's personality might be completely different, and those other companies might work great for them. Yeah. But you found the perfect totally. place for you, so oh. that's phenomenal. I, I would not fit into, uh, not going to say most of them, a lot of real estate brokerages. I just, it just wouldn't be a good fit for me. Um, I may bring morale down. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I just don't want to find out, you know. Yeah. Um, I've got such a sweet spot, and my business does great because of Remax. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife... She has the Ron Colley crew. Uh, she has three sisters, two of which are also agents. Um, and one of them is one of uh, the top agents in the state for her brokerage. And her, her business model is completely opposite of mine, completely opposite. Um, and I don't want her business model. And I guarantee she doesn't want my business model. Um, we're just two totally different people. Love her brokerage, and I always said, you know, if, if Remax canned me for some un, unknown reason, I would go to her brokerage. But I still feel like I'd probably struggle there because I would lack what I have where I'm now. Yep. So if somebody is wanting to either uh, buy or sell a home with you or possibly have you as a mentor, what's the best uh, way they can reach you? Uh, best way, my, uh, my cell phone, 317-989-7465. Uh, 317-989-7465. I always say text me. Uh, you can email me at josh.latham at indiehomepros.com as well. Um, look me up. I'm all on social media. Um, you, you won't see much promotion of me on social media. That's, again, that's one of my flaws. I just don't follow that path. Um, honestly, if I wasn't a realtor, I probably wouldn't even have Facebook. Um, 
I go on Instagram to watch like car videos, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, but those would probably be the easiest ways. You know, um, even my own website. Uh, you can Google me. Um, I, that's one good thing about Remax. We kind of tailor our programs to help people on the social media aspect of it. But you can Google Josh Latham Realtor. I'm right there. You can follow links. Pretty easy. So and how do you spell Latham? L A T H A M. Perfect. Yep. And to get a hold of Ian or I, go to hardworkingmortgageguys.com. That's hardworkingmortgageguys.com. Or you can call 317-672-1938. That's 317-672-1938. And thank you for listening to Indy's Real Estate Gurus. The gurus we interview share valuable insights. They reveal their strengths, personalities, and how they'll work for you. While we hardworking mortgage guys secure your best mortgage, real estate gurus work hard too. They avoid problems the amateurs just don't see. They listen and they find unrealized opportunities. If you're buying or selling a home, a real estate guru is a valuable asset. If you're even thinking of buying or selling a home, keep listening and definitely call one of Indy's real estate gurus. All right, so let's take a sidestep. Let's say that I take away your phone and you cannot work for 24 hours. After you get done in the fetal position crying, what do we catch you out there doing for fun? Working on my house. Um, I, I love to take up projects at home. Um, like I said, my wife and I, we typically have a flip going. Um, we may take a month or two off, but I would probably be fixing something. Uh, yesterday I went on a listing call. Um, I'll probably be doing some work at this client's house before we list it. She just doesn't have the capability to do so. So power washing decks, painting them, doing some drywall work. Um, we'll always have a project going on at home, but my wife and I also travel a ton. So you say that about the phone. Sunday we leave for uh, Mexico, and I guarantee I'm leaving my phone in the in the bedroom and just not turning it on. Really? Yeah. Now, now a lot of agents would love to know how you're able to yeah. do that. So you ready? So one of my superhuman strengths or, or, or abilities: no stress, and I don't worry. No. Wow, that, yep. that is a super. You would yeah. think that with all this gray hair. I was about to say that. <laughs> that's because of kids. So. He has hair. Hey, Listen, pull, I don't know what you're. Uh, no, but it's all gray. Yeah, I don't care. He has hair. Yeah, full hat. Yeah. So I just I don't. Um, it's. Uh, I think that comes from my dad. I just I just have this ability to not. And I think it's one of the things I relate to my clients too, is being able to get through transactions and just being that voice of reason and calm. Um, and I don't, I, you know, those bigger things in the world for me to stress about than missing a call or, um, you know, I, I put safeguards in place when I go on vacation, obviously, but, um, I put it in capable hands. I'm pretty good at delegating. Yeah. Pretty good. at delegating. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. If you have somebody to give to, to yeah. have, take care of it, yeah. you can. And I think I'm just guessing that most people's issue is they don't feel anybody can do it as good as them. Totally. And so if the, they would just get over the that, realtor curse. Yeah. And that's one of the things I talk about as a mentor. You need to get out of your own head and think you're the only one that can do it. You really, I mean, that's, you know, we have eight, what, eight billion people in this world. You don't think someone else can do your real estate work? Right. I mean, come on, man. This isn't brain, this isn't brain surgery. <laughs> Especially when you meet people who are, who are like you're the guy you mentored. Right. Right. Yeah. Obviously he can do it. Right. In a heartbeat. Right. Yeah. And, and you teach people how to do it. So yeah. you have to know people who know how to do it because you yeah. taught them. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, that's another good thing about anyone that's thinking about getting into real estate or even becoming an LO. I mean, you surely go on vacation. Yeah. And you don't want to pick up your phone. Uh, You have to be able to lean on somebody to help you out. And I think that's the the beauty of being on a really good team. You have two or three really strong sidekicks and 
you don't have to worry about things. Right. And I do at home too. You know, my wife is my sidekick and it life becomes a lot better and easier and slower when you can just go, I can give that stuff away. Yeah. See what people don't know is Rick goes on vacation fifty one weeks out of the year, and he just <laughs> well, he just tells me to do it all, and then I get one va- week vacation. <laughs> well, wait, wait a second! I'm the hardworking mortgage guy. No, no, no you just say you are. No, just like <laughs> so. So I wish I could do fifty one weeks. Actually, I could never do fifty one weeks no. vacation. I, there's no way. You'd be would, bored to tears, wouldn't you? Yes. Oh my it's gosh. why I can't retire. No. And we talk about that too. You know, we our eleven year old when he gets into college, we're gonna we're gonna I say flee Indiana. We'll flee Indiana. Um, but I won't stop working. I don't know. I wouldn't know what else to do. Right. So. And and the beauty right now is if you set up your t- if you know you're going to do that, you set up your team and you have somebody here in place. You can probably do everything, not here, not here, and still and still be booming here. And we have, I think, one or two agents that do that. They yeah. live in Florida now, and they have a team of two or three that still live on the south side of Indianapolis, and all that business flows through them. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, it's really a great career because you can retire that way, you but can. you're still working, and you are creating a business. There's no difference. Yes. There's no difference between doing that and having a storefront and right. you have employees running in your storefront and you can go to Florida whenever you want. Yeah. And not to mention with technology nowadays, everything's electronically signed. Everything oh. you, you, I mean, Rick and I joke about this all the time is we don't see people anymore. People yeah. just do everything online, call us on oh. the phone. Every once in a while we get somebody comes in our office, <laughs> but it's very rare. You would never know where I'm at. Yeah, that's right. They almost look at you like you're a freak. If you're like, Hey, can we meet up? Yeah. Yeah. Why would you want to do that? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's some people have to, but for the most part, that that's not the no, case. Really. Now, you kind of took my my favorite question away already, but I'm going to find out. You know, we, I always ask, "What is your superpower? Superpowers?" So we know one of them. <laughs> and first, and and not being able to worry is a huge superpower. Yeah, that is huge. Yeah. So I'm sure people would like to know how you how you do that. But are there any other superpowers that you think you have that that really help you in your career? Um. I think just creating an instant bond with most people that, that I, I deal with um, and gaining trust. And it took me a long time to be able to figure out how to do that. You know, in, in our business, and I know you know this, being a chameleon is, is one thing, but being the chameleon that they want to keep coming back to is another. Um, and I think that my life experience, and this is something you can't really – you know, this take the kid that I'm mentoring now. I say kid, he's 26. Uh, yeah, 26. <laughs> he's a kid. Well, I'm yeah. older than you, but he's, he's a kid. He's a kid, you know. Um, it, it's hard to it, it's hard to teach stuff that we have gone through in life experiences. And you, I've made so many mistakes in sales, it's not even funny. And that's right. what I, that, as a mentor, that's what I tell people is you're going to fall flat on your face, but it's how you react that makes such a world of difference. And I yeah. think m- my superpower is being able to overcome these obstacles, not worry about failure again and just keep doing it um i got 11 year old son that plays football and i it's every day i have these little lessons about falling down and getting back up um and i hope that i can relay that to to mentees i guess you'd say in this business because it's a hard business i think being an lo is even harder quite frankly um it is not an easy process um but once you find your footing it's a fantastic career to be in either side either side yeah I yeah. think they're both very similar, but yeah, it's I I see because I I I failed as a real estate agent. I I tried it when I was really young, and I didn't have any. I, 
I didn't have anybody who really mentored me and kind of took me under their yeah. wing and I went to the wrong place, but I was buying, what I really was doing was buying my, I was buying rental property. So I was just buying rental property and that's what I was doing. They said, Hey, you need to be a real estate agent. Yep. I don't think other than to myself, I ever sold a house. But I did sell some. <laughs> you were your best client. I was, <laughs> but but I also was a terrible landlord. <laughs> I'm way too. I think it's a I think it's a curse of a salesperson, and that is we tend to see or want to see the best in everybody. Yeah. If you're a good care, and yeah. you know it's all about relationships, right? So I'm I'm kind of opposite of you. I see it, and I was a lot. I just it just wasn't it just wasn't mm. for me. But I can see. I mean, if it's the right thing, and both of them are great careers, so it's just find yeah. the one that works best for you. I right? agree. Yeah. I totally agree. I I love it. Yeah, but it's nice that when you said yes, you're gonna you're gonna fail. But let's be honest, is that's when you learn the most. Is as soon as you make that mistake, you learn from it. Guess what? You don't do ever do again. No. That mistake. Yeah. Now, unless you're certain people out there in the world, but <laughs> I hope they don't keep making the same mistake. <laughs> Sometimes they're, I do. I hate to admit it. They're they're from Kentucky. <laughs> you can say that you you. Grew, you I live there. Some time. I went to yeah. the University of Kentucky too. So. Did you really? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I wanted to. I wanted to partner myself with a winning basketball program. So. Well, so I went there. I, yeah, I fully agree with you. There you go. See, <laughs> so I'm a diehard Kentucky fan. So, oh, are you really? Yeah. There you go. So I was there during the heyday, and then uh, my wife has a daughter that went to IU, and I had to go to an IU basketball game. I was like, I think my skin was peeling off my body because <laughs> I walked in the, you know, IU stadium. But beautiful was it place. the one where they they beat Kentucky no. when they were number one? When there was that was, was that a, the game that was you that were at? National title game? Yes, oh, it no, was. That was just regular season. Yeah, it was regular season. Then we go on to win the title. I'll actually, take that loss. I don't actually know anything about sports because I don't watch them. I just knew that that didn't happen. That was their biggest win in hundred years. Yeah, <laughs> pretty close I to it. I don't think so because I do have well, how many banners? How many national champions? Who's that? Who's IU. Yours? Yeah, oh, I don't know. I think two or three. I don't quote me on I that. Think, I'm not an I IU fan. Six less than UK. I don't know. I don't know how many either one has. Yeah. UK I, is I know eight. it's more than Purdue, yeah, that's, well, that's <laughs> which right. makes everybody a Purdue, Purdue fan. I don't care. I just We like, just pissed off the whole entire state of Indiana. <laughs> we love all of you. I probably shouldn't say this, but when I, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of, I don't watch sports. I, my wife loves it. I don't watch it. She loves yeah. college basketball. I don't really care. Yeah. And uh, But when Colts were getting beat by the Patriots every time, oh. every year, I just decided I'm going to root for the Patriots. Oh my god! Root for a winner. Well, oh, actually, man. if you if I was sitting there with you and you were rooting for Kentucky, I would root for whoever else was for the, playing. Just whoever for else. That's right. But I didn't really. I just don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just, well, the fact that you even mentioned you being slightly a fan of the Patriots is a huge issue in Central Indiana. That's, yeah, I know. We'll let it slide. That's kind of why I did it. <laughs> <laughs> So if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, not oh. about the University of Kentucky, but about <laughs> you can though real estate, <laughs> or if they're maybe looking to get in the business, yeah, what's absolutely. the best way? Three one seven nine eight nine seven four six five nine eight nine seven four six five. Look me up online, Josh Latham Realtor. Uh, just Google me. Um, all my pertinent information is on there, and would love to talk to you about basketball or being a realtor. So you sound like you're not real, being a realtor. You like basketball and football. <laughs> I do, yeah. So my son, my son is a huge football standout, um, and then um, so we have big aspirations for him. And so by the, hopefully by the time he's twenty one, twenty two, I'll retire, and he can just pay my way through life. And 
Yeah, I, you know, I always thought one of my kids would do that, but my youngest is thirty and they haven't done it yet. Yeah, yeah. So good the, luck. The backup plan is, he said, "Well, if I don't go the pros, Dad, I'm gonna play my saxophone." I'm like, well, hell, well, I know you're gonna be living in my basement then. <laughs> hey, at least get him through college, get him yeah. that full ride. <laughs> right. What happens yeah. after that? Who yeah. knows? But yeah. get the college. Take care. That's a big deal, right there. Yeah, through full rider through college. Oh that's a big deal. It'll be our first. That first one. out of five. I'll yeah. cry tears. That'll be your favorite then. Yeah. <laughs> and to get a hold of Ian or I, it's hardworkingmortgageguys.com. That's hardworkingmortgageguys.com. Or you can call 317-672-1938. That's 317-672-1938. All right. So now we'll go to the question of the week. And the question of the week is sponsored by, hey, Rick and I, the hardworking mortgage guys, where we believe in helping you and supporting you and your realtor by sending constant updates. Nobody likes living in a black hole, so we do not allow it. Uh, if you like the black hole, we are not the company for you. All right. So here's the question for you. And since you're a car guy, I heard. Oh, yeah. What was your first car? A, a 1985 Mazda GLC Sport hatchback. Four-speed. Um totaled it i was about to ask what 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 work did you do to it my most fun <laughs> car ever yeah yeah i got uh some some old old lady pulled out in front of me and tore it up and then my dad went out and without my help now see i've been a car guy since i was probably five i almost went to uh automotive design school wow and that was a big deal like i drew them and it was a huge deal and my dad went behind my back and I hope he watches this video. <laughs> <laughs> and came back with like a 1982 Chevy Monte Carlo. I mean, it was the biggest piece of crap car I've ever <laughs> owned in my life. And I'll never forget, as soon as my dad pulled up in the driveway, I said to myself, the day I can buy my own car, I'm, I'm going to buy a car anytime I want. Anytime I want. So I've I've kept that tradition up, and I have had my goal was to have a car for as many years old I am. So I'm 48. I'm up to about 46 or 47 now. Um, not extravagant stuff. I know I've never had any really truly extravagant you know th- items, um, but I just am like that that and shoes. So I'd go and play sports, big sports guy, and my mom would buy me the crappiest shoes i remember playing baseball and being in in high tops with velcro on them and i remember looking down on the mound i was probably about 11 or 12 and i just thought one day i'll be able to buy any shoe i want so now i'll buy any shoe i want so i have a pension for shoes and cars <laughs> okay so who has more shoes you, you you or your wife i'm not it's not even in the same i have i'm gonna say 50 pairs of shoes wow and i'm not even scratching the surface of what my wife has Wow. It's not even close. So when he says he's doing work, he's making uh, walk-in closets for yeah. all these shoes. Yeah. So I used to have a, I used to have a deal with, my, with myself. Hey, every time I closed, I'm going to go buy a new pair of shoes. And then after about my second or third year, just I had to cut it out because I was like, I don't even want to put these shoes. Um, so we have special areas in our attic for our shoes um, that my wife has. And it's, it's ungodly. But the great thing about my wife is she's a shopper. So everything is a deal. And that is one thing that I've gleaned from my wife because I wasn't a deal shopper. I'm an impulse buyer. So I'd see it and I'm like, I'm buying this right now. I don't care. I've got the money and I don't care what the ramifications are. <laughs> and my wife is like, I'm going to study that, go home, 
re-engineer it, see if I can buy it someplace in China, build it from parts from Germany, and then I'll put it together, and there's my shoe. <laughs> and that's her. So. so how many shoes come up missing with all the kids? Oh, my gosh. A lot. I mean, we will find just like one one shoe in the house. We're like, where's the other half of this? No clue. It's 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 like a our house is a shoe abyss. It sounds like it. It's like when you drive down the street, you see one shoe laying on the side of the road. It's like what happened? It's probably ours. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking now. I now know who it belongs to. I now know. We went on we went on a trip over the holiday weekend, a Memorial Day weekend, and I brought. It was a wedding, so I wore my tennis shoes and I brought. Nice shoes. Yeah. My wife brought a bag of shoes. Oh yeah, it's like, oh yeah. Really? It's it's astounding. You know, we're going on vacation, and we almost half of one suitcase is just makeup and shoes. And I'm like, I could fit into a, you know, a backpack. Yeah. So crazy. Oh well, crazy. But cars now. Yeah. That's that. If you can't tell, I'm a car guy too. Yes, I love it. And as soon as I walked in. Yeah, that's kind of my I. I love cars, and so it's interesting to me that that first car you had was a great car. And I, I wanted to point out that you, you could tell he was a car guy because most people we say, "So, what was your first car?" Well, it was a I don't really remember the year, but I think oh. it was a oh. you know '77 yeah. uh, Malibu. Yep. I think he's like, "Well, it was this, and it had a four speed, and yep. it had this. It's got this motor." I mean, yep. That's that's a car guy. I could tell you in order every car I had engine type how much it cost and probably how much how many miles i had on it when i bought it and when i sold it so what was the best car you had in your a, a 95 nissan 300zx okay. two-seater yep. oh yeah yep T- so uh, was that the t-top that was a t-top yep and i specifically wanted to find one because back then they actually had a four-seater and i wanted yep. the two-seater and one of the reasons it was my favorite was not just the ride but growing up one of the big inspirations i had were nissan commercials and they had the slickest commercial for the Z. And it was on the Audubon. And it flashes a 911 Porsche in front of it on the Audubon. I'm like, oh, I've got to have that car one day. <laughs> yeah. So I had it. And uh, it was the first car that I really ever tinkered with. And I remember I was going to change the uh, intake, the intake plenum on the top. And I dropped a, um, a uh, stainless steel clamp into the valve, oh, no. the valve opening. And I had to have I I lived in Columbus, Indiana at the time. I actually had to have Cummins engineers who broke down and dissected Cummins engines when they faulted out to come over to my house to get it out without having to remove the whole head and everything. It was awesome. So I had How'd this. They do it. They took some special tool with a microscope and a camera on the end of it, and snaked their way down and found it and pulled it out past the valve stem and. Pull it out of wow. the hole. I mean, so that, just because I spent so much time and I had friends working on it with me, I was like, I just love this car. I love it. love it. But then, you know, if you're like me, like, I'm over a car in about four months. I'm like, all right, I need something else. So I have lost my ass on so many cars. It's unbelievable. Yeah, see, I'm too cheap to lose. I, I, just, I keep a car for a long time. Yeah. But, I, but I've had some pretty good cars yeah. in so, my mind. That's what separates me and my dad. My dad, if you put a, sh- a shoebox on wheels and a little engine and they told him it would cost 100 bucks and it lasted three years, he'd buy it. Um, but I can tell you this. I actually had to buy my first truck. So right now I'm driving a pickup truck. Never had one and never will again. I hate it. It's the worst thing on planet Earth. I hate the big clunky V8 ride and I feel like I'm driving a semi-truck and it's terrible. But I fit in in Indiana. 
<laughs> Especially down there, down yeah. in Roncalli. Yeah, up here. Oh, up here they're like, "What's that? is he delivering food or something?" My wife drives a truck. Oh, that's, that's she loves trucks. She's got an Avalanche, Chevy Avalanche. She loves it. Oh, second I, one she's had. Maybe it's my truck. It's just you know, I have a GMC Sierra thing. That's the same was, thing, basically. Oh, yeah, Avalanche just, is a little bit was a little different design, but yeah. same car. Well, that came from a, a Nissan Maxima. Oh, yeah, it's a huge change. So I'm literally seven inches off the ground to, you know, two feet off the ground. Yeah. It's feel, I feel like I'm riding on the moon. Yeah, that does change when you're sitting up higher. <laughs> no question. It's not like the hyper exotic that I want to buy one day, but, you know. Yeah, so what's your, what is your dream car that if you could have, buy it today, what would you go buy? Le- legitimately, I want a used Nissan GTR. Okay. It's feasible. Um, you know, you could probably Absolutely. buy one in the 60s or 70s. Yep. That's my feasible car. If I had limitless power i'd buy a, a mclaren p1 so that's it that's a little more expensive it's i mean they don't make any more so we're talking three million dollars <laughs> yeah, just a tad bit more expensive yeah, yeah so uh yep that's my that would be my once i retire and get the kids in i keep telling my wife one day, well, one day a GTR. It'll, it'll show up i bet a gtr if you bought it and didn't get rid of it in four months I'll bet it'd be worth all. I mean, if you held on, if you hold on to that car, that car's got some investment potential. Agreed. It's you know, I don't think it would lose money. Quite frankly, um, you know, I don't either. If I bought it today and sold it in a year, I probably wouldn't lose a dime on it. Just, now, just would depends. I would I live to see a year from now in that thing? <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Well, speaking of that, so what most people don't realize is in China, the Asian culture. They drive at 18. Well, a lot of times they come over here from and just get their driver's license. So I used to sell high-end cars, and I sold a GTR to an Asian kid. He wrecked it and went off the road. Not huge damage within the first two months. I see him come back into the dealership, and I'm like, hey, what's up? How's how's GTR? Uh, My mom said I got to get rid of it. Oh, my gosh. He ran off the road twice in it because it just has so much horsepower. It's 0 to 60 in 2.7 seconds. And he goes, yeah, I got to change it in. So he did take it because now the car factor of two accidents and run off the road. And So so this (laughs) is going to be really weird. You didn't sell a Tom Wood Nissan, did you? No. Okay. Because I bought a car in Tom Wood, and there was a GTR that said sold sitting in – showroom oh, wow. and i asked whose it was and he said a freshman college student at iu yep well and it, it from happens China. all the time like wow. if you go up to purdue That's right crazy. now and or probably not right now because the lot's pretty <laughs> empty spring but or it, go there during springtime oh, oh you'll God. see so many i sold for coast to coast at that time oh and yeah there was so and, many. and here's my mom and dad here's your shitty <laughs> monte carlo <laughs> suck it up <laughs> <laughs> all right so get back on the real estate part because <laughs> we can do this waiting. all day <laughs> you're waiting for that what do you think your most memorable deal was oh my gosh my most memorable deal um i probably have a couple but i think one of the biggest ones for me was someone who had purchased a house for 90 and five years later was selling it for 250 wow a single mom with two kids um and I, I we were walking around the house talking about repairs and I said you know how much money do you think you have to invest in the house prior to closing to where we can do some repairs and she said I have about $200 and I was like total and she goes yeah total um 
And I said, you know, this is going to be life-changing for you, don't you? And she goes, well, I guess. I really don't – I've really never thought about it. So right then and there, I pulled out my calculator on my phone and started going through this stuff. And I said, you know, after you pay your mortgage and, you know, your commissions and all that stuff, you're going to be walking out there with like 145 grand and just waterworks. Um, so it wasn't just the scope of having to do the sale. It's just the reaction to get out of something. But I didn't – you know, I didn't do anything other than sell the house. It's just – somebody who just doesn't even know what their own value is with their property and how life-changing it can be. Um, it's awesome for me to see. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, and I tell my clients this, one deal is not going to break me, and it sure as hell isn't going to make me. Like right. I'd have to sell like a $10 million property where I get you know a couple hundred thousand in commission. But I've never had a, a deal make me or break me, and I tell people that. But what I really get excitement out of is being able to see these people make these shifts in a timely, easy fashion and make money or get the house they want. It's fun. Yeah. I mean, we do a lot of first-time home buyers, and especially the first the ones best. that you actually see. Yeah, they're hard. Yes. <laughs> uh, especially right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the first ones, especially in their family, they get to see you get to see that emotions. But like you said – most people don't realize what they're doing until like, let's say five, 10 years down the road, they go to sell it and they're like, wait, I have this much. Man. I can now buy this or I can do this. I have this. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's really awesome. Um, another one actually is I'm in the midst of right now. Um, they have two kids and one, one kid has uh, cancer and she has terminal blindness um, she's five or six and she's 90% blind and will be fully. Um, and they, they really don't have two nickels to rub together and they are selling and, and moving into another house. Um, and they're going to probably recruit, recoup, you know, 30, 40 grand. And they're going to use that money to take their kid on vacation before she loses her sight. Yeah. I mean, it's stuff like that where mm -hmm. you just go, I don't care what I make on this deal. It's just awesome right. to be just a part of this. Right. And it, it's amazing to me how people are so overly thankful for your efforts. And I'm just like, hell, I'm just doing my job. Like, it, I didn't really do anything but follow the guidelines of how I got here in life anyway. Um, but it's fun to be. That's probably the most rewarding thing for me in any deal is two things. One, seeing these people make transitions in life and most of the time for the better hopefully for the better, and then the time that is afforded to me by this career. Because um, if, if I had a nine-to-five job, man, I, I'd be swinging from a shower rod. I, like, <laughs> I couldn't do that. I just couldn't do it. Yeah. I, so what, what do you see as like the most valuable piece of buying a house? I, it's, it's so life-changing for people, but it changes lives in a lot of ways. Yeah. I guess if we have a first-time home buyer listening, something like that, what would you tell them why they should buy a house? Maybe that's a better question. Yeah, and first-time home buyers, they're uh, they're an anomaly because I think nowadays you get a lot of people like, I would rent because then you know it's easy to get out of. You don't have to take care of maintenance and blah blah blah. Um, but I've always looked at my house and any house as a bank. You know. I, I'm not going to go live in a bank, but I might as well use my house as a bank because I'm building on top of that asset that I can recoup or pull from later on in life. And it's funny because, you know, the big argument with people who like to rent is I don't have to take care of anything. And think about how much cost you have involved with your house and blah, blah, blah. You know, there are safeguards against that, like buying a home warranty, um, doing 
annual maintenance where stuff doesn't fail, but you can also budget for that stuff. But I always tell people, you're paying someone else's mortgage when you rent. You literally are not putting any dollars in your pocket. If you buy a house for 200 grand and your payments, let's say $1,500, and you're worried about having a $5,000 air conditioner go out, well, guess what? You buy a $5,000 air conditioner with a five-year warranty, five, you know, five-year warranty on it. You don't have to worry about it for another 15, 20 years anyway. That $1,500 mortgage payment is still going into your house, knocking on your principal. And at the same time, you bought the house for $200. In five years, it's going to be worth $220, $225. So your house is always as bank, and that's what I try to tell people. You can rent, but wouldn't it be better to have someone rent that house from you and you make that money, or at least you live in it? Um, I, I personally think it's, it's financially unsound to look at a house other than anything uh, as a, a bank. Like you, you really have to, and not as some throwaway asset like a car. Um, I think nowadays you have a lot of people that just are like, I don't want the trouble. I don't want the maintenance. I'm just going to lease and I don't want to worry about it. And at the same time, I get that part of the car deal leasing because it's a depreciating asset. House isn't. I think that's the biggest thing that's get lost on first time home buyers. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the Rick and I like to tell people this when we have them is look, Let's say for five years you rent. Your rent's at a thousand dollars a month. You just spent what sixty thousand dollars on rent. Now let's say you did you bought a house and your same exact payment. Even if you had expenses and everything, and with appreciation, let's say you break even. You know, if you sell your house after five years, guess what? You basically lived in a place for five years for free. For free. <laughs> what, the, what are we doing here? <laughs> that's the best way to look at it. It's like driving a car around for free. Yep, absolutely. Bought a car, bought my uh, Nissan Maxima, bought a 2017 Nissan Maxima, and I sold it a year and a half later, and I put on 29,000 miles on it, and CarMax paid me $400 less than what I bought it for. Yeah, that's amazing. And I look at that, and I go, well, hell, I just drove that car for free. Right. Same way to your point. Who cares how much money you dump into it over time? Because if you are still that far ahead of renting, you're so better off. Then the statistics play it out. Absolutely. A, a homeowner has, I think it's like $500,000 more on average in, in wealth than a renter. So it, it does make sense. I think the big one of the biggest mistakes I've made is I, I've, I've been in my house 30-something years. Mm-hmm. I should have moved. I think that's one of the, the keys is you should move every few years. You yeah. buy your house, fix it up, get the yeah. equity, move to the next one. Yeah. And and because the people I see who've made the most are the people who who move, and then yep. the other one is live in California because yeah. they go up a lot faster. <laughs> but I didn't want to do that. Hold on, hold on. you I, forgot I, the, you forgot the one other thing, and also use Josh as your realtor. Oh yeah, That's well right. he's not in California. Oh, he, he'll find a person. <laughs> he'll, he'll find a way. Oh, <laughs> my my biggest commission check came from a referral. Did it really? Yep, out to Arizona. On a commercial deal. Wow. So that's the other good thing about Remax for me is I can get on a Remax referral line and they basically scrub agents for you and find your fit. And biggest commission check to date, called the guy, talked for 15 minutes, called my client, told her she should talk to this guy. And within 15 days, we were under a $6.5 million contract. Wow. Through a referral. Oh, darn like you. That. Jeez. <laughs> that hurt. <sighs> yeah, it was awesome. So uh, I think, you know, being in sales, that's what, coming from insurance, too. I did large, catastrophic insurance 
uh, for contractors. Um, but our business was referral and renewal. Um, how do you refer out business and how do you re- repeat renewal? And I think renewals are just people keep coming back right. to you. And then referral is I'm going to move to Florida and keep sending my business back through Indiana. Yeah. That's what I'd love to do. So yeah, that's awesome. So what is the best way to get a hold of you if anybody has any real estate needs or maybe looking to come on a team? Yep. Uh, Josh.Latham at IndieHomePros.com is one. But, again, 989-7465, area code 317. Um, or you can Google me at Josh Latham Realtor. Or to get a hold of Ian or I, go to HardworkingMortgageGuys.com. That's HardworkingMortgageGuys.com. Or you can call 317-672-1938. That's 317-672-1938. And follow us for more Indies Real Estate Gurus. Uh, Josh, hey, thanks for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. And I think, Rick, once you're back, because we'll have to talk about cars for a whole show. (laughs) Car show. Cars, (laughs) no basketball. (laughs) He's a basketball. He's a sports fan. I'll do cars all day, all day. I really appreciate your time and uh, really interested in what you guys do here. And um, my goodness, it was a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hey, and reminder, if you have any friends, family, or coworkers looking to buy, sell, refinance, contact us. We'll be more than happy to help you. Branch NMLS number 33041. Rick Ritma's NMLS number 6645898. Ian Arnold's NMLS number is 1995469. Equal housing opportunity. Some restrictions apply.